Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up. It's BFW's weekly show where we kind of wrap up all the news of the weekend. Let me tell you, there was a lot that happened this week, as always. Uh, first and foremost, we had the big Champions League matchup where Bayern Munich dispatched FC Barcelona to the Europa League in stunning fashion. Bayern Munich uh, really put it on FC Barcelona in a match that really wasn't all that competitive. It was 3-0, but uh, I wouldn't say it was one of Bayern's best performances, but that just shows you the state of where FC Barcelona is right now. Uh, I really think, uh, you know, there's a couple of things to look at when you, when you examine just the, the fallout from this match. I mean, first and foremost, uh, from a Bayern Munich perspective, they took care of business. Uh, they did so with a scaled-down lineup. When you're using Jamal Musiala and Quarantan Toliso as your double pivot, you know, something tells you that you've gotten a little bit low on the depth chart there in the central midfield. But more from an FC Barcelona perspective, we look at just where they are and how far they've fallen. Uh, the team looked hapless at times. Now, I will give them credit because Xavi had them playing pretty good for the first half hour. He had them pressing and kind of making life a little bit difficult for Bayern Munich. But after that, once we hit that 30-minute mark, I think we saw Bayern Munich settle in and take the game over. And of course, now what we're seeing is the dramatic fallout from that victory by Bayern. We've seen everything from uh, Barca's president making comments. We've seen quotes from Xavi basically saying that Bayern Munich is simply better. And then most of all, what we're hearing now is who goes from the roster, because when something like this happens, some heads always have to roll. And it looks like right now, ironically, three of the names that have uh, kind of hit the transfer market now are Serginho Dest, Frankie de Jong, and Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. Of course, all three players at one point or another in the past year and a half have been linked to Bayern Munich. Most recently, right before the game, we saw a story come out that Serginho Dest wanted to switch from Barca to Bayern because he's just not happy at Barca. Dest, of course, picked Barca over Bayern just a couple of summers ago when it was rumored that Bayern Munich was heavily interested in the American right back. Of course, given the, I guess, popular opinion uh, that Bayern needs a right back right now or a right wing back, depending on what you think uh, Bayern Munich plays, what kind of formation, uh, this is kind of interesting if, if Barca really is going to sell Dest and if Dest really does want to make that move to Bayern Munich. Uh, my take on Dest is that I'm not all that impressed and uh, didn't mean to rhyme that there, but it, it really is one of those things where I think that Dest has a lot of talent. I think he's got good ability. I just haven't seen him make that jump to show he's this level of player yet. Uh, maybe he can get there. Maybe he can't. If I'm Bayern Munich, I'm not spending anything significant on him. As for Ter Stegen, uh, there's no way Bayern Munich could, could think about bringing him in with the way Neuer has been playing. Manuel Neuer has been excellent, uh, really, for the past, what, two, three seasons since he's come back from that foot injury. And there's no reason to think about replacing him at this point. I would honestly think that he's going to get a contract extension. And I cannot see Marc-Andre Ter Stegen coming to Bayern Munich to be a backup. So what I would expect for Ter Stegen is for him to take a gamble on one of these deep-pocketed clubs 
Uh, maybe someone like Newcastle United, who's got a lot of money to spend, who won't mind paying a transfer fee, who won't mind paying a big salary for Ter Stegen, uh, that something like that could happen. I don't know that any big name clubs that already have an established keeper would be interested in Ter Stegen because of his salary. And I don't know that Ter Stegen would be interested in going into a situation where he would have to not be the anointed starter. And, and rightfully so. He's good enough to start on just about any team on earth. But why put yourself in a spot like Gianluigi Donnarumma, who moved to PSG and is now behind Kaylor Nevis? It made no sense to make that move from the beginning. And uh, Donnarumma has spent the whole season on the bench, essentially. So not a great move for him. And that should be a blueprint for what not to do uh, for Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. Frankie de Jong is an interesting case. Uh, Bayern Munich, of course, uh, might be needing some help in the midfield. I mean, we know that Joshua Kimmich is out with COVID-19, and we'll touch on that in a little bit, the after effects of that. Leon Goretzka has been battling injuries, and I hate to say it about Goretzka, but he's starting to get that reputation as someone who's oft injured. He is constantly, it seems, battling minor knocks and uh, – you know, credit to him, he's really reformed his body in the past couple of years, but he just can't seem to avoid the injury bug at this point. When you look beyond those two, it gets a little thin. Quarantan Taliso, of course, is the first choice, but just as we saw in a story today, there are no discussions right now for Bayern Munich to bring him back. So he either will be sold in this winter transfer window or more likely he will finish out the season with Bayern Munich and then leave on a free transfer, which is an absolute disaster considering at one point he was your record transfer signing. So with that, Tolisso probably is moving on, probably not coming back. And that's a bit of bad business for Bayern Munich. Uh, after Tolisso, it's, it's again, really, really thin. Mark Rocha has been a bust since signing here. And it's not to say that his career will be a bust eventually, but it's not working out here. It has not worked out here. There's something missing from his game that's preventing him from getting on the pitch, even at times where Bayern Munich uh, is short on midfielders. Uh, I think when you look at Roca, the biggest criticism we've heard is just a lack of speed. The speed of play is too high for him. Decision-making is too slow. So with Roca, I think that we're going to see him move on again. I don't know that we're going to see him move on in the winter window. I mean, it could happen, but it's also, I think, more likely that he moves on in the summer. Uh, Mikhail Cuisance, uh, another, another, it's just a, a bad move for the kid to come to Bayern Munich when he did, was not ready maturity-wise, was not ready talent-wise. And, and it sounds weird because I don't think you can really dispute that he has skill and that his speed of play is not a problem. He makes some really poor decisions on the pitch, uh, has been rumored to have some attitude problems at just about every stop that he's been. So I think he needs a fresh start somewhere where he can play. If you're that young and you can't get on the field, you need to leave wherever you are and get somewhere where you can get on the pitch. So Cuisance, of course, needs to go. Jamal Musiala is the, the Swiss Army knife now for Bayern Munich. He was, you know, he obviously started against uh, FC Barcelona in the central midfield and is getting a lot of run there. And it's a little bit crazy to me because at, at many points over the past year and a half, I've I've thought he's been Bayern Munich's best wing. Now that the formation has shifted a bit, the responsibilities have shifted. Uh, Musiala, just to get him some action, is starting to diversify his skill set even more by playing a little more central midfield. And I think he's proven that he can do it. 
I'm not saying you want to throw him in there against Chelsea or PSG or anyone like that, but he handled himself against FC Barcelona, uh, I think really well. And I think he has the ability to play, uh, to, to play that position, uh, you know, in a solid manner. I think that he's got the skill set and the dribbling ability and the passing ability to bring something maybe even a little different than what Leon Goretzka or Joshua Kimmich bring to the table. Don't think he'll he'll be quite as good as they are anytime soon at the position, but uh, just finding different ways to get him on the pitch and being comfortable using him at different positions is something that Julian Nagelsmann really needs to do. Uh, Musiala is too talented to continue to sit on the bench, and while Nagelsmann ha- has really found a niche, I guess, in using Musiala as a substitute, uh, the kid is starting to get antsy. We're starting to see reports about that, and if he continues to um, express just even a little bit of uh, even displeasure about his situation. You know, Bayern Munich is going to react to that because he is one of their key players uh, moving forward for future Bayern Munich squads. Uh, so when you look at all of that and you look at those factors, you could see why a player like Frankie de Jong might be attractive to Bayern Munich. What won't be attractive to Bayern is whatever transfer fee FC Barcelona would want to charge for Frankie de Jong. And I, I think that a player like de Jong is going to end up going to the Premier League just because there are more, there are more clubs there that can pay not just his salary, but pay the transfer fee that he inevitably is going uh, to, to uh, really be, have attached to him uh, by FC Barcelona. And you know, as much as I think De Young would be a good pickup, I don't ever like the idea of taking a player either entering their prime or in their prime and bringing them in as a as a substitute. And I think we've seen that with the one guy I did not mention from Bayern Munich's midfield, and that's Marcel Sabitzer. And that was the reason I didn't mention him, because he is the perfect example for why De Young should not make this move, because Sabitzer is a world-class player. He was a starter at RB Leipzig, and now he has been relegated to a bench player. He's lost his confidence. Uh, he's made some really poor decisions on the pitch. And, you know, he just does not look like the same player that we've all become accustomed to seeing in the Bundesliga. And I don't think his skill set has dropped off or he's become a worse player. I just think that not being in the mix, not con- consistently playing, and having to prove himself at this stage of his career has just been a little bit too much for him. And it's not to say he won't turn it around, but I think that you can look at him and say that's a great reason why someone in their prime should not make a move to Bayern Munich. With that, we will talk a little bit more about the bad news that we got today. And today being Thursday when we are recording this is that Joshua Kimmich is out for the rest of the calendar year. And that's some pretty devastating news for Bayern Munich. It's really unfortunate. Uh, Kimmich has incurred some lung issues as a result of uh, COVID-19. And this is really one of the worst case scenarios you can have as an athlete who uh, tests positive for COVID-19. You don't like to see it for anybody, Kimmich especially, because he's such a, a maniac. He's so important to the club. To see him now, uh, especially after all of the controversy about uh, not being vaccinated to have to suffer through this. It's, it's not good. And I'm sure there's a segment of the population that is like, well, good, serves him right. He didn't get vaccinated, but I don't quite carry it that far. I think that's kind of a bad mindset to have to wish ill on someone because they made a choice you don't like. 
I mean, if that's the uh, if that's the case, my parents probably would have disowned me. I don't know what thirty years ago. So, uh, and my wife, not to mention, would have gotten rid of me a long time ago as well. So, uh, you know, you can't judge every person on the decision they make. But it would be great for Kimmich to to recover from this. Hopefully, not come away with any long lasting effects. If for some reason he does, this is going to be a a very very difficult. Uh, time for Bayern Munich, and it could be a big problem for them moving forward. So I think that, you know, right now everybody should uh, probably just relax on any criticism that you have of Kimmich and just hope that he starts to feel a little better. And just hope there, there, like I said, there's no long-term effects. It's really a shame to see what has happened to him. And, uh, you know, it's never a good sign when anyone is experiencing issues after COVID-19. You know, this virus has been crazy because some people come away unscathed, completely asymptomatic. Some people have, you know, obviously went as far as to pass away. And uh, for athletes, we've seen some just completely get wrecked with this and really have to restart, uh, you know, their whole cardio uh, regimen to get back into shape because their lungs have been affected so much. So hopefully, Joshua Kimmich doesn't go that far and that he's able to get past whatever is bothering him. So now we can get the heavy part of the program over. Obviously we hit, we hit on Bayern Munich and Barca and that very unfortunate Kimmich news. One of the other stories that really kind of fascinated me, fascinated me this week was the, the rumors came back on Nico Schlotterbeck of SC Freiburg. Of course, we heard a couple of weeks ago that, that Schlotterbeck was was kind of insinuating that he wanted to make a move to a top-tier domestic club. And I think you could read through the lines and see that he was talking about Bayern Munich. It was pretty obvious to me as I read the initial report and then wrote our account for BFW. But now we saw a report from Bill that stated that Schlotterbeck is on Bayern Munich's radar. And that was very interesting to me because it comes at a time where Schlotterbeck – is, a, is an intriguing candidate for sure. He's gotten called up to the German national team. He's a big, tall defender. He's got good quickness. And he uh, is a player you would probably look at as a next-generation player for Germany, someone that could step in and fill the void as a center back as this generation starts to get a little bit older. Now, with Schlotterbeck, uh, it, it's kind of funny because – Everything right now is revolving around Nicholas Sula and, and what Bayern Munich is going to do with him. But when you look at the overall picture for Bayern Munich center backs, it's really complicated to think that the club would have interest in Schlotterbeck unless they were, one, confident Sula was leaving, or two, there were going to be some follow-up moves. So let's just take a quick, quick look at where Bayern Munich is in terms of center, the center back position. So Sula, we all know he's out of a contract after this year. I can't emphasize enough how much I think Bayern Munich needs to bring him back. His physical tools obviously make him a, a just a, a huge part of, of what would be a foundation for any club, but I think he's just gotten better and better. And I think, I, I don't know, i say this every week, I feel like, but I think he's been the best center back on the roster this season. Uh, Luca Hernandez, a little bit banged up right now. He's got a contract through 2024. We saw a recent interview with him where he kind of skirted talking about his future, uh, focused more on the present and what he likes about Bayern Munich and 
what he's done since he's moved to Bayern Munich. And he talked about the pressure he felt as a record transfer. Uh, but uh, with a contract through 2024, there's no rush for Bayern to do anything with him yet. And whether he wants to stay or whether he wants to go, it really doesn't matter at this point because nothing is going to happen with him anytime soon. Uh, Benjamin Pavar, who most people refer to as a right back, but in this formation, it's really almost a center back at times. Uh, his contract also runs through 2024. He is a player who wants to make a permanent move to center back. And if Julian Nagelsmann commits to making this a back three, Pavar is a player who one, I thought looked great against FC Barcelona, which was really good to see for him. But he's a player who, if he really wants to make this move, is going to have to start contemplating his own future and could be a candidate to either move on or to stick here, depending on what Julian Nagelsmann decides. Uh, the other players in the mix in the back, Tengai Nianzu, his contract is through 2024. He is rumored to be unhappy at this point. Uh, he's not getting a lot of playing time and and really, why should he? I know he's a good prospect, but he's clearly not better than uh, players like Sula and Hernandez and the guy I'm going to mention next, Dio Upamakano, who has a contract that runs for 2026. So when you look at that, it's to me, it's very hard to think about where you fit in if you're Slaughterbeck anytime soon into that back line. And even if Sula leaves, there are plenty of other candidates there, including two guys I didn't even mention who were out on loan, and that's Chris Richards, whose contract runs through 2025, and Lars Lucas Mai, whose contract runs through 2023, and he is on loan with Werder Bremen, of course. Mai is probably on the outskirts of Bayern Munich's plans. Uh, he has been up and down with Werder Bremen. I think he is a top-flight center back in terms I think he can play in the Bundesliga, I think he can be a starter in the Bundesliga. I just think he's probably behind, he, not probably, I think he's behind, absolutely behind players like Sula, Hernandez, Pavar, Upamakano, and even Chris Richards, who is on loan at Hoffenheim. But Bayern Munich is going to have to decide what they're doing with Richards and Mai in conjunction with deciding whether they're actually going to go after Schlotterbeck. I mean, there is also kind of, an option, I suppose, if SC Freiburg would agree to it, to sign Schlotterbeck and then loan him back to Freiburg, let him continue to grow as a player and evolve uh, under Christian Strike, which is not a bad option. But if you're Freiburg, I don't know why you would be inclined to do that unless you felt Schlotterbeck was so important to your team, which I guess he is, uh, that you needed to keep him to hopefully get a, a chance at uh, sticking around and competing for a Champions League spot over the next couple of seasons. So whatever happens with Schlotterbeck, I'm, I'm interested to see what Bayern Munich does. I actually believe that there's interest mutually between the two parties. I just don't know how it would work out and what would be a good situation for the player. Again, this is a young kid. He is a, a player on the rise. And the last thing you would want to do in my mind is come to a team where you're going to be on the outside looking in for playing time no matter how confident you are in your own ability, when you're entering a squad like Bayern Munich, there are no guarantees. And if you're out there and you're feeling the pressure any second that you're on the pitch, that you have to do something, you can't make a mistake. Chances are you're not going to get the best out of your ability. You're going to make mistakes. And I think we're seeing that with even a player like Marcel Sabatou, who is a veteran. 
I think he's out there worrying about making mistakes. He's worrying about having to try and make things happen rather than letting the game come to him. And it's the last situation you would want to be in if you were a player like Schlotterbeck. Uh, you know, as much as I like the kid, I don't know if they could find a situation that's going to work with him at Bayern Munich. But we'll see. If Niklas Sewell leaves, I guess all bets are off because Bayern Munich will certainly be looking to fill that void. Uh, we know that they've already been looking at Antonio Rudiger from Chelsea, but he's getting close with Real Madrid. And I think he's using Real Madrid and Bayern Munich to drive up the price uh, from Chelsea in terms of his salary. So we'll see what happens with Rudiger as well. But all of these defenders, everything is kind of intertwined and linked together because one move by one of them is going to cause a chain reaction and affect what these other clubs do. And it wouldn't shock me if a player like Schlotterbeck really started to pick up some interest from other clubs as well. Um, as far as, <laughs> uh, you know, where I would go with this, I would keep a, a really close eye on Schlotterbeck. I don't know that I would make the move yet. I of course would have to know what's going on with Nicholas Sula, uh, you know, in my mind, he, he's a player you have to find a way to get to sign a contract extension. I think that Julian Nagelsmann wants him back. And I think it's just really all a matter of what Sula wants. And if Sula really does want to leave, Bayern Munich's going to have to get it together soon and figure out what their ultimate plan is. Uh, I guess a couple of other things that I wanted to hit on uh, outside of the realm of Bayern, uh, you know, often we talk about this on the, on this show and we write about it in the weekend warm up blog posts, but, uh, I, I did, uh, catch up on the new season of it's always sunny in Philadelphia, which if you, uh, if you haven't ever watched that, you probably should. It's, it's a long running show. It's just, you know, wacky, zany, whatever you want to call it. It's off the wall. It's just about people who are inherently bad and who make worse decisions than you could ever imagine. And they just kind of snowball each and every episode. And I find the show hilarious. And while the start of the season, uh, it wasn't as like rip roaringly funny as I would say the start of some other seasons, it really was uh, what I thought pretty clever and tying in uh uh, the gang, as they as as people refer to them, uh, into some of the major events from 2020 and 2021, uh, I thought it was really well done, and I've enjoyed the episode so far. Uh, there were even some really deep cuts from uh, just Philly. Uh, that's how you know, like the show's pretty authentic because they reference some things, including uh, Uncle Eddie Savage, which which is an infamous story in Philadelphia from the time when I was in high school. Uh, you can Google that to figure out what it was on your own. Uh, just don't do it from a work computer, probably. Uh, but it, it's, it, you know, it, it's one of the things I really do like about the show is they have this huge national and probably international following, but they still do work in enough Philly-centric type things, some Easter eggs for, for Philadelphians that can always make you crack a smile when you hear them. Uh, it, you know, I, I, you know, if you haven't checked that out, I would, I would start at season one and work your way up. There's a lot to get through, but it's well worth your time. If you like, I don't want to say it's stupid comedy because it's, it's not stupid. It's really creative and well done, but a lot of people would refer to it just because the, 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 the characters in the show really act in such a stupid manner that 
I don't know. I find it hilarious and I'll continue to watch it. And I'm, I'm pumped up about this season so far. And like I said, it, this season, if you've been a long time fan, you're probably not going to find it as like slap your knee funny as you have in the past, but it was really, really well done and, and creative. And, and I still had a couple, you know, laugh out loud, loud moments in it. And that's one of the things that I always gauge a comedy series on how many times do I laugh out loud? And when, you know, when I look at some of the, uh, you know, some of the comedies in the recent past that have made me do that. Uh, Eastbound and Down, uh, Kenny Powers, just one of the most hilarious shows, start to finish. Again, like Kenny Powers would fit in so good on It's Always and Sunny in Philadelphia because he's just so outlandish. Uh, just the complimentary characters, Stevie Janowski. <laughs> uh, I, one of my all-time favorite comedy pairings, Kenny Powers and Stevie Janowski. Uh, it, it, unreal comedy, so funny. Uh, you know, obviously we've got a baseball player who's kind of flamed out loosely based on John Rocker uh, and some of his antics, but um, you know, it really carried its own story and was, it was really excellent uh, and always made me laugh. A couple of others, ob obviously curb your enthusiasm is so uncomfortably good. And there's always, again, a couple of moments in each episode that make you really laugh out loud and, and, that's kind of how I gauge this. And, and also uh, Veep was another one where it was so sharp uh, and the characters were such bad people that I, you really couldn't help but laugh anytime that you watched it. I just I couldn't say enough good things about any of those shows. Uh, if you're looking for some comedies to watch, those would be four that I would highly recommend. And they are all uh, within that like 25 to 30 minute range at most. So you're not dedicating a lot of time and you can rip through them pretty easily. But I guess that's where I'll end this uh, weekend warm up podcast. Once again, thanks for listening. Uh, appreciate every download. You guys give us every view you have on our webpage. We love bringing you the Bayern Munich news and also touching on some other things. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site account at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Tom at Tommy Adams 71. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner and you can get I need no name at BFWINNN. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the games and I will see you next time.